0: Time now for our regular edition of The Pick. And for the July edition, we have some fabulous new guests with tips for you in terms of what to read, watch and listen to in the very broad framework of foreign affairs, politics and history. Now, this month, we're joined by Dr. Carrie McDougall, a former advisor to the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade, DFAT, on international criminal and humanitarian law, the responsibility to protect and protection of civilians. She was also the legal advisor at Australia's Mission to the UN before returning to Melbourne, where she's now a senior lecturer at the Melbourne Law School. Welcome, Carrie.
1: Hi, Geraldine. Thanks for having me. And I'm
0: also very glad to be joined by Zoya Sheftalovich, who's a contributing editor and reporter for the online journal Politico, and she's based in Sydney. Welcome, Zoya.
2: Thank you very much, Geraldine.
0: Look, I'd like to start with your listening picks, Zoya, and one we're certainly a fan of here at Saturday Extra, and that's the Foreign Affairs Interview podcast. Is there a particular episode you'd recommend for someone who hasn't listened before?
2: There are two episodes that are recent episodes. They are a two-part series about Vladimir Putin and Xi Jinping. And it's an excellent two-parter featuring a couple of experts on China and on Russia. Uh, So it's got Stephen Kotkin, who is a renowned biographer of Stalin and has a long history of excellent work. On Russian and Soviet politics and history. And the second guest is Orville Schell, who's an excellent expert on China. Mm -hmm. And I've long been very interested in the parallels between Putin and Xi in terms of the way they frame their early lives, the way they present their stories and their histories and how they arrived where they have arrived, there are a lot of superficial parallels and perhaps some less superficial parallels. And this two-part series is essentially an examination of that. It's called What Drives Putin and Xi?, And it's very, very interesting.
0: It certainly is. I mean, I completely concur. I thought it was quite outstanding, really. And um, I intend to follow up. Uh, Now, you're also recommending a Politico podcast, Westminster Insider, particularly an episode on the 25th anniversary of the Good Friday Agreement. Let's just take a quick listen.
1: My father was actually murdered at the beginning of the troubles in August 1969. I was five years old. I remember being lifted up to look into my father's coffin before they put the lid on
0: it. father, John Gallagher, just a Catholic man on his way home from work, was shot dead by the B-specials, an armed part of the police, during street disturbances on the Cathedral Road in Armagh in 1969. He was recorded as the first official victim of the Troubles. Sounds terrific. Is this a weekly podcast, uh, Zoya, from Politico?
2: It is. It's a weekly podcast. The idea behind it is to go deeper into some of the issues that are in the news. So, that particular episode is from the 25th anniversary of the Good Friday Agreement, which ended the Troubles. And it's so moving. You know, obviously, I'm a little bit biased because it is a podcast that we produce. But It's really a very, very interesting, moving kind of story that takes you into the troubles and particularly as someone who is not particularly familiar with that part of the world, I'm constantly shocked by how recent all of these things were and thinking about the fact that the Good Friday Agreement is only 25 years old is quite stunning to me. So listening to that, hearing the stories of survivors and hearing the stories of family members, it really... It showed me that these things are just so, so fresh and so recent. And I think it's actually reasonably hopeful in some ways as well. I myself, I'm a Ukrainian and obviously the situation in Ukraine right now is absolutely heartbreaking, but it gives me a little bit of hope hearing that podcast in particular and hearing about the troubles in general because it felt like something that would never end and could not end Mm -hmm. and that the memories of that period would haunt survivors forever. But it it is a little bit hopeful in that it does feel so far away now, although I'm sure, um, you know, and perhaps that's just how I feel in Australia and maybe it's a little different in Northern Ireland itself.
0: Yes, as someone who who went there recently though, everything you say I completely concur with. Now over to you now Carrie and I understand you've been completely immersed in all things Ukrainian. It's certainly the subject of the Ukraine cast from the BBC. Tell us about why it attracts you please.
1: Well, you're right. It is a reflection of my of my current work, which is very much focused on Russia's aggression against Ukraine. Ukraine Cast I listen to religiously every single episode without fail. Broadly, it's a great way of keeping up to date with all major developments mm. in in relation to the situation in Ukraine. The BBC has a significant team of journalists on the ground in Ukraine and it has a really well-established Russia service, which I think is hugely important in light of the dearth of Western journalists in Russia following the arrest of of US journalist Evan Gurkovich. But what I I like most about it is that, you know, the, the podcast's explanation of major military and political developments is interspersed with stories told by ordinary Ukrainians about the impact of the war on them. Mm. As an international lawyer, I spend almost all day every day reading about the horrors of war in one form or another. And I think even when you try and keep the victims at the forefront of your mind, it's all too easy to get become numb about the impact of war on innocent men, women and children. And so I think the personal accounts featured in Ukrainecast episodes makes the horrors of war very real indeed as well I might say of the remarkable resilience of the Ukrainian people and Mm. you know the podcast often features really beautiful Ukrainian music or um, discussions of fabulous Ukrainian food so yeah I'd strongly recommend it. Yes the
0: BBC's doing those personal stories better than anyone I think. Your other listening pick is Geopolitics Decanted. Now I'm not familiar with this one what does it cover?
1: So, it's a podcast developed by Silverado Policy Accelerator, which is a US think tank. Previously, it canvassed a broad range of international relations issues, but since February last year, it has focused on Ukraine. And I love it because the host, Dmitry Alperovitch, is just a true military nerd, (laughs) and his guests frequently include other genuine military experts. And it's one of those podcasts that I listen to and I can literally feel my brain growing. Every episode, (laughs) I learn so much about military strategy and military technology and defence policy. These are not armchair pundits, you know, offering vaguely informed views. It, It reflects genuine, deep expertise.
0: I shall add that. Let's talk about your reading picks. And you first, Zoya, you're recommending Linda Kinstler's Come to This Court and Cry, How the Holocaust Ends. Now, what's it about? Why have you chosen this for us?
2: Look, it's basically charting the rehabilitation of uh, a Latvian war criminal, a man who by all accounts was responsible for the deaths of tens of thousands of Latvia's Jews. He was executed by the Mossad in the 1960s and has the kind of quite unusual status of being one of the only, if not the only, executed Holocaust criminal. But since then, so in starting from around about the 2000s, or perhaps earlier as well, Latvian nationalists have been attempting to rehabilitate his memory and essentially to paint him as a national hero and erase some of that history around his role in the Holocaust. And the interesting thing is that Linda herself, the author of the work, She has an incredible history in that on her mother's side, she is a Jewish Holocaust survivor. So her mother had family who perished in the Holocaust. And on her father's side, her grandfather is Boris Kinsler, who was working with this RIS brigade or RIS commanders who were Latvia's Holocaust perpetrators who perpetrated uh, the killing of tens of thousands of Jews. And her grandfather, Boris, he disappeared in 1949 and no one knows anything about where he went. It was very suspicious circumstances. And so what started out for Linda as uh, this search for her grandfather, which her father tasked her with, turns into this forensic exploration of the way people's uh, Holocaust experiences are erased
0: And your other reading pick is The Man Without a Face by the Russian-American journalist Masha Gessen, which covers uh, Putin's rise. And they were certainly extremely critical of Putin even back in 2012, I remember it well, when the rest of the world was still pretty happy with him, thought he was a strategic genius.
2: Indeed, and this is a, a bit of an archive pick for me. The, the reason I love The Man Without a Face is because it gives an excellent background to the making of Putin, where he came from, who he paints himself as, which I think is really important to see how he presents himself in his own words, in his Atterra which is essentially a biography that he himself dictated in the early days of his reign. But the thing that I think sets this book apart for me is that there is a hopeful element at the end. So the first edition of the book, when that comes out, it's just as there's a bit of a mood of change in Russia where there's talk about potentially there being a Russian spring where people are going out in the streets in mass protests. And so the original version of the book ends on this relatively hopeful note. And then there is a reprint which just kind of kills that hope dead. It's an extremely sad kind of postscript, because you can tell that there's this feeling that maybe change is coming and then actually change does not come Mm. to Russia and won't come to Russia. But it's an excellent history, but also a really good snapshot in time at this moment when Russia felt like maybe things could get better and then they don't.
0: Yes, and also to just remind listeners about um, Our Own Four Corners uh, that was on Monday night, which was a French investigative unit's very good coverage of the rise of the of the Wagner group, and he, right back to the source. And just what a far more interesting, or shall we say, multifaceted person this Prigozhin is, Yevgeny Prigozhin. And what a, a problem, I suspect, he does confront Putin with. Now, Carrie, your reading picks echo the Ukraine conflict theme of your listening picks, You've chosen a piece by Bobo Lowe, written for the Lowy Institute, titled The Ukraine Effect, Demise or Rebirth of the Global Order. We interviewed him about this. Now, what uh, struck you about it?
1: Look, I think it might be a shared perspective. Lo, like me, is an academic-turned-diplomat who's now returned to to academia and I unabashedly admit that he consistently writes pieces that I wish I'd written myself. (laughs) You know, and his analysis in this year is is characteristically compelling, all about the impact of Russia's invasion on Ukraine, on the international rules-based order, which is, of course, a particular interest to international lawyers and international um relations experts, in addition to setting out, I think, very clearly the fact that Russia's invasion is an epoch-defining moment and a a Russian victory will likely kill off the international rules-based order, what I think is great about this piece is that Lowe puts together a very clear case for why Ukrainian victory, while critical to the maintenance of of a rules-based order, won't in and of itself guarantee it. And he makes it, I think, a very strong argument that in light of the US-China rivalry and the growing divide between the global North and the the global South.
0: That was particularly what um, got me. I thought that was very well. He he articulated that very well, I thought.
1: Yeah. His final point that Western states need to embrace an order that's more representative, given the increasing diffusion of power and the need Mm -hmm. for well, truly global cooperation to meet threats like climate change and and human insecurity certainly makes a a lot of sense to me.
0: Now, we're going to race through watching picks. Carrie, your pick for things for us to watch, Chernobyl, which of course completely, you know, you're you're not the same person once you've watched Chernobyl, the highly regarded 2019 series dramatising the events of 1986. Let's just have a quick reminder. I'm pleased to report that the situation in Chernobyl is stable. In terms of radiation, I'm told it's the equivalent of a chest x ray. You well, know, Chernobyl is on fire.
2: And every atom of uranium is like a bullet, penetrating everything in its path metal, concrete, flesh.
0: Oh, look, it was such an incredible achievement, that. If listeners haven't seen it, Carrie, where can they find it now?
1: Uh, I believe it's, it's showing at the moment on a number of sources, Binge and Foxtel, but I think you can also pay for each episode on Google TV.
0: Oh, right. Okay. In a sort of a sentence or more, what was it that hit you about it?
1: it's compelling. You have your heart in your mouth a lot of the time, but I think it's the telling of the lesser known stories of bravery and sacrifice, as well as the reminder of the disregard Moscow's long had for the lives of its people, which it's, Mm. you know, blithely sacrificing in pursuit of its ideological goals.
0: Yes. Now, to Zoya, you were born in Ukraine, as you say, and I believe that terrible accident had a profound effect on your childhood. Have you been able to watch this series, I wonder?
2: I have to tell you, I can't uh, because I myself am a victim of Chernobyl and it's had profound impacts on my life. I wrote a story for Politico called Chernobyl Poisoned My Childhood, but uh, there are all sorts of ways in which it has writ large on my life. And um, I find it very difficult actually to watch kind of fictionalized accounts of it or even really documentaries of it because Mm -hmm. it was something that. That I live with to the Too day, the, the health uh, the health kind of repercussions of that. I mean, uh, it's an ongoing struggle for me. Oh, so I, I'm I must admit, sorry to hear it's it. one of the ones I haven't seen. <laughs>
0: no, well, don't. <laughs> no, I don't think you should look at it. And lastly to you, Zoya, your watching pick is a Russian film called The Fool by Yuri Bikov. Why does it appeal?
2: I think this is a fascinating film. The film was was re- released just before the first Russian invasion of Ukraine. Uh, Bikov himself, he was seen, he had a series of films which seemed to be uh, criticizing Russia. It seemed to be criticizing particularly the corruption, taking aim at some of the horrible choices that Russians have to make. And this film is, is in that vein. So it's about a simple maintenance man who's studying in night school, learning engineering, and who figures out that an apartment building is on the brink of collapse. It's in, in an unnamed, small, very poor town in Russia somewhere. And he tries to alert the authorities and tries to alert the people in this building that there's a disaster waiting to happen. And he's making these moral choices, these positive moral choices, and just getting punished for it at every step of the way. And it really is a very accurate portrayal of the state of corruption in Russia and the state of the administration.
0: Well, look, Zoya Sheftalovich and uh, Dr. Carrie McDougall, thank you very much indeed for putting together these most interesting recommendations. Thank you. It's a pleasure. And. You can ha- look on our website, and you can find those recommendations. because a couple of you have come on and um, and uh, said, what are they again? Uh, just a quick mention of uh, Rear Vision, our sister program on tomorrow. They're looking at mercenaries in the 21st century. In the 20th century, mercenaries didn't really exist, but they have down through history, and they seem to be making a comeback in the 21st. So you might like to check that out on our where, on our Listen app. My thanks to Isabel Summerson, Jesse K, Oscar. Coleman and Anne-Marie de Betancourt. have a lovely weekend, and now welcome to Jonathan Green after the news with Blueprint. Bye-bye. ABCRN helps you understand the world. Find
2: more of our stories on the ABC Listen app.